0: Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the show. Have a great, great, great interview with you today. Uh, This was going to be really good for anybody who's interested in trying to put on shows Put on conferences, anything like that. I uh, have with me on the show today Mike Mack, who has uh, done a lot of of, of concert and uh, conference promotions. We talk about what he specializes in, uh, the conference that he puts on every single year. So make sure you stay tuned through the whole thing because he drops a lot of great nuggets and then a bomb right in the middle of the episode. Uh, more of a, a, I would say, spiritual slash business bomb, but it was really good, so make sure you catch that. But before we jump into the interview, though, I do want to thank the patrons for the show. Aaron Simpkins at TrueStrengthApparel.com. Make sure you go check him out, what he's got going on. Also, Jay Sannon and Lt Smith. Uh, both of those gentlemen are artists. They are uh, music writers and performers so you could check out their music in the show description and so um great very very grateful to them for supporting the show for so long they I think they've all been on board you know a, at least a year plus um but yeah, very grateful. If you want to support the show, you can just head over to patreon.com slash business with Bordeaux and you can do so as well. And uh and even if you just listen to it, I appreciate you. I'm grateful that people are finding value in the show and it lets me know that it's needed. And so and then if you have any ideas for people that I should interview who are uh you know well versed in whatever area of business they are in, it doesn't even have to be music, just anything, any type of entrepreneurship or anybody who does stuff like that, uh, let me know. Let me know. I'd love to reach out and get some more interviews for this podcast. So, yeah, without further ado, uh, here is the interview with Mike Mack. All and Welcome back to another interview here on the Business with Bordo podcast. Uh, this is the kind of interview I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, we've talked a lot. To different people in the music sphere, we've talked to managers, we've talked to uh, tour promoters, and all different kinds of things. But uh, today, I have with me a gentleman who has uh, been doing the Elevation Conference for five years running now, and uh, amongst a lot of other things, have with me miss, today with me, Mr. Mike Mack. How you doing, sir?
1: Beautiful. How y'all doing out there?
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. I appreciate you taking the time and doing this, and uh, definitely want to to make sure people. You know, I, I try to get all the different areas of, um, of business in the show. And so this would be a really good one because I think people need to understand what goes into conferences, how important they are. I just talked with uh, MC Nice about what he's doing next year. And he was talking about how he'll go to conferences just for the opportunity to meet one person who's going to be there. Yeah. And um, so, so yeah, man, uh, I'd love for people to get to know Mike Mac just a little bit kind of your background and how you got started in this world.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm Mike Mack I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, greatest city, city, of the champions. Uh, and so out here, man, I've, I've been a concert promoter, an artist manager uh, for a long time, started doing concerts like seven or eight years ago, started with small, just little events, in Christian hip hop, you know, 10, 20 people going them out to concerts of various sizes and now I've booked, you know, every major artist in, in Christian hip hop pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, man, so doing those conferences and, and working with artists just led me to be inspired to do a conference that was based on that. and could help artists learn how to do better business. But at the same time, I'm a youth pastor. And so I, I want to do, you know, draw a lot of alignment to, to youth ministry and and urban leadership and urban discipleship because of the setting that I'm in. In, in the inner city in Boston in, in a city called Dorchester. And so, I, you know, I was just from doing all that stuff, it just kind of directed me towards wanting to build out something really big that could really impact a lot of lives at one time. And so the Elevation Conference came from that. So four or five years ago, we started doing the Elevation Conference in Boston. And it's, like I said, it's 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 directed towards uh, urban leaders, leaders in an urban context to, you know, mixing in faith and ministry and in and, and the arts, bringing that all together and and, and so Christian hip hop is kinda in an intersection or parallel to to that to that sort of ministry. So we bring in a lot of Christian hip hop artists and, and and build with those guys and and so we've been doing that like I said for the past few years and just trying to make it pop.
0: Awesome man. So what was your uh if you could remember, what's the first conference you've ever actually been to?
1: The conference? I don't know, I mean I've been in church all my life, so I've gone to a hundred uh- <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of different <laughs> conferences. Obviously, there's not a lot of Christian hip hop <laughs> integrated conferences in our space. Right. So, Flavor Fest, uh, I went to you know, five years ago or something like that and been a legacy a couple times. And um, other than that, just various church conferences and ministry conferences and stuff like that. But Flavor Fest and Legacy are the ones that kind of influenced me and inspired me to do the elevation.
0: Gotcha. So were you ever a part of, like, planning any other type of conference before you got into doing this Elevation Conference?
1: No, just, well, I've done a youth conference, a youth uh, convention before at my church, and then we kind of, when I took over the leadership, we kind of shifted that towards being Elevation. So it was a convention, and then we kind of built it towards being a conference, and then that conference turned into an Elevation Conference.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So You know, you were talking about working with with kids. Uh, Who was the, if you kind of had like an ideal target market for the Elevation Conference, Who who is it?
1: Uh, it It's probably from teens to to young adults to really be the target demographic. Um, Like I said, in and around the city of Boston, really for New England leaders. It's really a combination of like New England artistry, New England uh, leaders and, and pastors and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know if you guys know, Massachusetts is the least church state in the country. New England is the least church region in the country, one of the in the world, potentially. Uh, we have five, seven or eight of the top 10 least church cities in the entire country are all in New England. And so Boston being one of those and, and the surrounding areas, Springfield and Worcester, um, it's just, a, just a not a reached area. And so doing this sort of event out here is what motivates me because there's nothing like this happening in our area. And so we're not along the Bible Belt, so it's not natural to get a Christian hip-hop concert. It's not natural to get a, a Christian conference. So there's very few, and they are very few and far between. So that's what inspired me to really grow out Elevation in that fashion and, and fill a niche that I feel like wasn't being reached.
0: That's interesting because it, I feel like it's, it's probably much easier to do a conference in the Bible Belt except for the fact maybe there's a whole lot of conferences. But so if if, if where you're at is kind of one of the least churched areas, where do the folks come from who are going to the conferences? We
1: grab from all over New England, really, from Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. We grab from all these states, these New England states, and we pull in people who have an interest in, and hopefully people who are just interested in learning more about more about the, the culture and, and, and religion and ministry and stuff like that. Um, that's why, you know, it's, I think size wise, it doesn't really compare to something like, you know, a lot of these other conferences really, because like I said, the region is just doesn't have that demographic, you know, built in like that. So even when we do Christian hip hop concerts from perspective, uh, maybe a cray that'll get like 2,500 people in, in most cities. You know, he comes to Boston, he gets 1,500. You know, Mm -hmm. so you so a social club gets like 150 here as opposed to the 350 or 500 they might get in another area. So it's just realistic expectation of of who's going to come, how many people we expect to have. So the conference usually gets like three or four hundred people. And so for that demographic, it's really a lot. You know, it really really is pulling in a lot of people Um, and getting people. And what we noticed this past year due to, you know, extended marketing efforts, we've got people from all over the country to kind of come through the elevation this year, traveling from pretty far and wide.
0: Yeah. I noticed, uh, you know, I, I was looking at the, the flyer from last year and you had Thizzle, Derek minor, Ruslan, Stephen Malcolm, Juan day, uh, were kind of some of the looks like headlighting artists from last year. So amongst a whole bunch of other folks you have on the flyer as well. Um, <laughs> In terms of, you know, talking about getting people uh, kind of a, a, a big marketing push campaign for the Elevation Conference, how do you really get that marketing campaign out there? Because, um, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about how, uh, I mean, even here, especially where I'm at, like, Christian hip-hop is not known, like, a lot. And so it was like, you know, do you get in touch with a bunch of churches, get them together? Like... What's your uh, your strategy for, for really getting Elevation Conference uh, some awareness out there for it?
1: Well, th- I think first of all, what we have to realize is that Christian hip hop's not really big, period. So right, I think right. when we put it into context, a lot of people are concerned about the the demographic and the draw in their area. And everybody pretty much says the same thing, like you know, Christian hip hop's not big here. There's not shows here. Or guys don't come here. Well, that's because there's really only five, six you know, 10 maximum cities in the country that are really big Christian hip hop populations because they're big music populations. And because the demographic is just happens to be big in that area in general. So there's a large, um, there's a large church culture, or there's a large, maybe African-American culture because hip hop is, is, you know, typically a, a, a hip hop culture is usually African-American culture sign. But, um, the correlation with youth ministries and stuff like that being big. So, you kind of have to have that formula pop. And so, in reality, that's only popping in Atlanta, Houston, um, San Antonio, Texas areas in general, probably has like three or four of the biggest Christian hip hop populations because they have big, big church populations and big cultural populations in general. And so, then you go on to LA, Sacramento. Um, and then, when we're looking outside of that, you know, there's really not a lot of cities that can be like, yeah, we have a huge hip hop culture. It's just not, it's just not true. It's not feasible. It's not realistic. And so when you're going along a Bible belt, you might find that to be energized more. And so, um, so what we find is a lot of people talking about how they how this not, the culture is not popping, but not really wanting to do anything to try to build it up. So what I've done and what my team has done throughout the area is built up our own culture in the area and developed our, developed our local artists and empowered yeah. them to be able to do events and to be able to do better business. And what that looks like is a lot of sacrifice. So that's me working with 15 to 20 different artists in the area, you know, 10 of which probably aren't good, but working with them to develop so that they can be good, and, that's, mm. and then assisting them with infrastructure. So when they want to do events, coming in and helping them to do events, not always getting paid, not always making money, but realizing that it's got to be done for the greater good of developing the artists and, and promoting the ministry and promoting the genre in the area. To the point that, you know, it really begins to be something that's viable because it's not going to naturally be viable on its own. It's got to be developed like any other market. And so, like I said from the beginning, starting off doing very small events and then building my way up. Some people want to come in and think that they can just book Derek Miner one day and then just throw a concert and 100 people are going to, you know, 300 people are going to just show up. Right, They have no idea how to sell anything, <laughs> <They have laughs> right, no exactly, idea how to yeah. market and market anything, how to do any sort of event. So the encouragement is to start small, build your way up, use local people, create your own market, and then build something off of that. You can't just, I can't, I couldn't have waken up one day and just said, I'm going to do a conference and then try to just do Elevation Conference. No, that was halfway through the process. Like I said, for eight or nine years, I've been promoting shows, and doing terrible shows and doing decent shows and then doing good shows. And then from that, realizing, OK, now I can build this up to another level and do a conference. And then next year, the conference will be bigger, will be better. But that's how it begins. It starts with small beginnings, doing those things in excellence and building your way up to something significant. You know, you're not just going to wake up and hip hop's going to be popping everywhere you are. It's got to be developed just like anything
0: else. So, just out of curiosity, is there a um, what's the the big reasoning behind having well-known artists at conference? Like, even it was I'm trying to figure out how I want to question this. So, a lot of conferences, you know, kind of the, the main goal is to teach behind the scenes business, uh, you know, the things that kind of you're doing with with elevation. Uh, but a lot of them will also have like a lot of big name artists. So is it just like, is it just a a formula to having great artists and great sessions, breakout sessions, classes, things like that? Uh, Or is it even possible just to do a conference without like big name music artists?
1: It's definitely possible to do without big name music artists. You don't have to spend a ton of money and try to bring out. My conference isn't like. Other conferences in that sense, because like you said, you looked at the flyer and you see recognizable Christian hip hop artists too. Because obviously you're very involved in the genre, and so you're you're very knowledgeable of those artists. But uh, I don't have Judah Smith preaching at my conference. I don't have <laughs> I don't have Rich Wilkerson. Um, I can't even get those guys to reply to an email if I send them one. Honestly, because uh, you know what I mean. So so I'm not. I don't have a hundred thousand dollar budget. That I'm using in to bring in all these extremely well-known, really cool, trendy preachers who I would love to have if you guys are out there and you hear it, come through. But uh, that hasn't been the goal and the the methodology within which that we've grown this conference. We've grown it off of small people, local people, um, 75% local people every year. And then I bring in people that I'm friends with and I'm familiar with. So Derek Miner coming is because I'm good friends with Derek Miner and I know his mind and I know what he's into and I and I know what he can talk about that will be effective. I've known Ruslan for many years from doing events and things like that. I've seen Wanda hustle from when she was like a teen at, at Legacy passing out flyers and comp cards on her own without anyone knowing who she was at all. And seeing Thistle in the space for a very long time as a social activist. And so that's why I bring those guys in. I'm not bringing them in because I think that they're going to bring in hundreds and hundreds of people, because like I said, in my area, they're not, you know, it doesn't doesn't really matter who I bring in in my area. It's got to be well put together. It's got to be effective. It's got to make sense. The branding has to make sense. And if I'm going to have a conference and talking about social activism, then I'm going to bring in Thizzle and Derek Miner because they're actually in that space and they actually care about that sort of conversation. And so I'm not spending $50,000 to bring in Lecrae, which I could easily do in hopes that Lecrae is going to draw in 500 people and try to create and and microwave a process, not slowly developed and brought in artists who no one's ever heard of and up to people that, you know, we think everybody's heard of and everybody in reality hasn't really heard of. Everybody's not really actually super familiar with Stephen Malcolm. You know what I mean? Like we said, we're, we're looking at, you know, our space, and so, because my space isn't big in my area, I'm doing more to expose them really than they are to expose me.
0: Mm. Wow. Wow. yeah, I think it's it's interesting because you know there's some people who look at CHH and they're like, man, CHH is huge. I mean, look at NFM and the Yeah. Like, and they might throw an Andy in there, and uh, but really, like you know, CHH is still really, really, really small. Yeah. And um, and so, and I hear about concerts where eight people show up. Yeah. And, and it's usually it's the person who's and it's usually the person who 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 put together the show and then their personal family. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so just, you know,
1: you, I've been there to these and I've done shows where I haven't had an eight person show, but I've had, you know, 20 people shows and I've had 30 people shows and even a 75 person show for someone that you would be like, well, that person should get hundreds of people to come. Well, it doesn't, right. it doesn't just it doesn't just happen like that. That's really not it doesn't just automatically fall into place. And like we said, Christian hip hop is really not big because if you look at it's very, first of all it's very 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 top heavy. And if you look at the artists that you know you love, if you look at their social numbers, they probably have ten thousand followers on Twitter and five and you know twenty thousand followers on Instagram. That's not a lot. Right. Even if you have fifty thousand dollar fifty thousand followers on Instagram, you got a verified check. That's not a big following. That means that that means that, you know, if you take all the states in the country that you have 100 fans in each state, (laughs) each state, you know, that's not a lot of people. So that means if you do a show and you grab every single fan of that person in that entire state, you could end up with 100 people. (laughs) That's not impressive. Simple mathematics. 50,000 followers is not impressive. It's not. It means that you can do you can do a thousand you can do a thousand record sales and, you know, you can chart on iTunes and get top five hip hop. For one day,
0: right, right. But
1: next week, you're not going to be on the charts. You know, we're, yeah, we have a false illusion with you know this smoke and mirrors, as as we would say in marketing, that people are cons- convinced that these that these artists are huge and they're killing. And well, they do it. They do a twenty city tour. Like I said, there's ten major cities, and then you can piggyback and get ten other churches with built in youth groups. Where ninety percent mm-hmm. of the kids at the youth group don't even know who this person is when they're coming out yeah. because it's their youth group night. That doesn't mean this artist is huge. And they take a picture and they say this big room. They're like, whoa, look how many people came out to see blah, blah, blah. Well, they didn't really came out to see the blah, blah, blah. They came out because they they go to a church every Friday and they're there every Friday no matter who's there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that was a conversation. I can't remember where it was, but I've, I've been talking a lot about this, 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 this exact type of conversation. Uh, I've been having DMs and uh, you know Track Stars Universe Facebook group stuff like that, and um, a lot of people are saying that for some of these big shows, uh, it's it's usually the artist is there as a small part of a really huge event, and yeah. most of the people there are there for the big main event, not for yeah. the artist.
1: Yeah,
0: and that's good marketing. And, <laughs> so, but uh, but in general though, so so let's kind of get back to to some of the the, the other things that I want to talk about. So if, if if somebody has an idea, okay, you know, I've listened to this interview, and I think I want to try to put together some type of an, an event. It might not be a huge conference or convention, anything like that, but just just an event. What are some of the uh, kind of the first steps that are needed for a person to try to begin doing this?
1: Uh, well, the biggest, most challenging space, challenging parts of putting together any type of event budget, you know, which includes space, sound lighting, uh, and then the artist or speakers or whatever that you want to have involved in the process. uh, Those are the most challenging parts. Space is probably the most challenging spot. A lot of people want to do events. They don't know where to do them. They don't know how to do them. They don't have the access to anywhere to be able to do them. So finding a good venue, a good small venue, um, is really the best thing that you can do. If you can find a 100 person, 200 person, 300 person seat venue, that's the sweet spot in Christian hip hop, again, because it's very small. Right. And we're disillusioned with size. You don't need a 500 seater. You don't need a thousand seater for nine out of 10 artists in in our space. And so you really want to have a really small room. You want to be able to get good sound in that room. And from there, you can, you know, the possibilities are limitless. You want to have a good team, people that can support you, that can that that uh, people like that people will come out for. A lot of the shows and stuff that I do, a lot of people come out for me because I'm marketing it because my brand is strong and it doesn't really matter who I book. I can get 75 people to show up for it. You know, gotcha. it could be anybody. So that's Derek Minor, No Big Deal, Stephen Malcolm, all the way down to to one of my friends who's gonna rap. You know what I mean? If, I, if I'm doing a show for my sister, I can get 50 people to show up for it.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> that's, that's just what it is. It's, I mean, if I told everybody I was putting on an album release concert for myself and no one's ever heard me rap, I can get a hundred and fifty people to show up for that. Right, and so you gotta right. be in that space and have that ability to be able to sell and to have good relationships and get partnerships and people should like you. If people don't like you, they're not going to come out to your stuff. Also,
0: so you as a person makes the big difference as well. Just being a, a, a nice, genuine, likable person is that right?
1: Yeah, it's branding. It's all part. Of, it's all part of the brand. It's, it's it's like what Denzel said about Blue Magic. You know, it's a brand name, and so people got to trust. People got to trust the brand name. Mm. You know what mm. I mean? So people say people say CCB Entertainment, which is my brand, or Mike Mack, which is you know my name. They'll, they'll, there's going to be automatically some level of quality associated with it that they can trust and that they want to come out for.
0: Right, and that's built over a lot of frustration, failures, and exactly learning lessons. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. one of the big things today is people are afraid to fail. Yeah. Um, you know, could, could you share just like just just a failure that you had that you learned from that you took with you that made you stronger? Man,
1: I've had i uh, I've had a lot of really scary instances in doing shows.
0: Um, a lot of times comes from
1: budgeting. It's really, bu- budgeting is the scariest part, knowing how much you're going to spend and, and where you're going to spend it, making sure that, you know, when you book your artist that, you know, for the most part, you only have to put 50% down to book an artist. And so, you know, you've got that out the way and then you've got all these venue costs and stuff like that. So you can do a show and you can be coming to the wire and realize like, dang, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm trusting the door to bring in all these ticket sales and to sell all these tickets and make sure all this money comes in. And I might not even have the other half of that fifty percent I'm supposed to give to the artist. You know what I mean, so I've had instances where, like, it's showtime. The show has started. I'm supposed to give the artist the other fifty percent, and I don't have it. Wow. You no, know, there's been there's been two times where I've done that. I've kind of over overreached, and I had to scramble to try to find money or have my wife PayPal me money or cash at me money or something like that because mm. because I missed the mark. I've done that at least two times and uh, that stuff is terrifying and the artist is there and you know they're looking for you and you're like oh man like right, I, gotta right. this dude, I gotta get this dude paid and you're trying to figure out all the different ways you can get money sent to him um, so I encourage people not to do that don't trust <laughs> that you're gonna don't trust that the money's gonna come in at the door be ready have your money set aside for the artist no matter what before you get to the event be ready to pay them artists make sure you get your money before the show starts because there's guys like me out there who are really pushing the envelope and uh, might not actually be able to to, to deliver on what they have all the time. And so I've had that happen a couple of times. I'm not going to say the artists because they might not even realize how close they
0: came to not getting paid. But <laughs> <laughs> it's happened two times, two times. That's hilarious. So how, do you, how are you able, like before you start doing an event, um, do you already have like a set budget in mind and think, okay, I have to get at least this many people to show up. I know yeah. I can get this many people to show up, but I'm I'm depending on getting this amount more in order to be able to cover the cost. Yeah. Um, how, how do you like, is there any point where you're just let you know, like you tell the artist, okay, I'm gonna give you 50% up front. Okay. I'm asking too many questions at one time. So start. Uh, I, can, I, can still
1: answer, I can still answer your question, even though you asked, you asked me crazy. <laughs> so from the go ahead, go ahead. process, from the very beginning of the process, I'm at the point now, obviously where, when I'm doing a show, I do, I definitely have my budget all written out. I know exactly what everything costs. So the, the venue that I get, for the most part, is a, is a 190 cap room. Um, It costs $400. So my first expense is already my room. That room includes sound and light, so I don't have to worry about those extra expenses. The artists that I book, we have an agreement beforehand on what the honorarium is going to be, how much I'm going to pay them. Say it's $1,000. I know up front $1,000 has to be paid. I'm at 1400 I know then I have to get their hotel room. And um, their flight, we'll, we usually estimate that hotel at 150, another flight at 250. So that's that's another uh, 400. So we're looking at 1800 right now. And then I uh, need at least a couple hundred dollars for marketing and promotion. So we're looking at a $2,000 budget. A $2,000 budget then starts me with okay, what am I gonna sell my tickets at? Oh, let's estimate we'll, we'll probably do $20 tickets. So now we're looking at 100 tickets that have to be sold in order for me just to break even. So I tag onto that a vip ticket for 35 and say well if i get 15 20 35 tickets 35 tickets sold then i know that that can be kind of like a profit line that i can start to estimate so i know i didn't need to get at least 100 general admission i'm trying to have a goal of 20 to 25 vip tickets which will bring me in that extra three to four hundred as a cushion um, usually you sell about 10 in my area i'm selling 10 to 15 vips almost every time for super fans and outside of that, you never, you kind of never, you don't really know what you're going to get. So sometimes I'll, I'll budget in the 10 to 15 VIP tickets to and count that towards the 1,000, or I'll just have that goal of a, of the 1,000 um, of, like I said, the, the 100 tickets sold at $20 to get to the $2,000 price point. And so that's immediately what I have as a skeleton structure of what I need to do in order to bring an artist in, in, in order to book them. And um, so with that being said, I know beforehand once I pay the deposit, I've already subtracted and subtracted that five hundred dollars. You know, this is a lot of this is a lot of math, but I've already subtracted half of that. So now right. my goal is fifteen hundred because I've paid a fifty percent down deposit. So fifteen hundred is my goal at that point to reach. Um, keeping in mind the other five hundred, so I know if I truly broke even or if I'm taking a loss for the event. And then so I have those, I have a hundred tickets, and I make sure that my street team, you know, everybody on my team gets off twenty or so. I have myself be accountable for fifty. And then I know that the artist is probably going to draw online maybe 30. So 50 plus my 30 leaves 20 more. And I know that I, I've got to get at least three or four of my friends to sell 10 to 20 tickets. And that's how I guarantee myself to break even or to make a profit.
0: Mm. Man, that's, that's a lot crammed in.
1: That's the, that's <laughs> the math. I mean, that's the 60-second version, too. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's the elevator pitch. But uh, it's good, though, because I think, you know, one – you know, I mean, at least as far as somebody listening, they know you know what you're talking about. So that's that's always a beautiful thing. And uh, and two, just hearing the mm-hmm. bare bones structure. So now let's go to the VIP ticket. Do you have to, like, tell the artist, hey, I'm gonna have this VIP, yada, yada, yada? Is it always like a meet and group with the artist? Do you have to negotiate that or is that just kind of assumed? How that's does that work? Res-
1: that's negotiated. It has to be in the contract. It has to be stated beforehand that you're gonna do a VIP sometimes the artist wants to keep the VIP for themselves sometimes the artist wants to take um, the VIP into account so if you do like a split which is you're gonna you're gonna pay the artist b- out based on the ticket revenue the VIP has to be included in that so that you know that you're realistic you know realistically able to reach your your sales goal
0: Gotcha and if you split with the artist I'm guessing they'll promote the VIP even more.
1: Yeah, so so if the artist knows that it's a ticket split, a lot of times that'll drive them to push the the marketing on their and harder because they know that they got to get people in in order to get their higher revenue. And um, if they're already paid a guarantee, a lot of times they're not really motivated as such. So um, if you're getting if you're dealing with a major artist, you gotta you gotta pay a guarantee period for the most part. So what I do a lot of times is I'll do the guarantee uh, whatever that a flat amount is. Say it's two thousand. I I'll give them a two thousand dollar guarantee but then I give an extra incentive for a sales cap. So I'm, I say, I'm going to give you 2000. Um, but if I sell 300 tickets, I'm going to give you an extra 500. And so sometimes mm-hmm. that motivates the artist to try to push more on their end to get to that number so that they can get that extra incentive themselves.
0: Man. I hope people are taking notes that are wanting to do this stuff. Cause I, I feel like, like this, this knowledge needs to be in a lot more places and, and we need more people to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, because like conferences and events, like these are the things that that the churches come. It really it, we're competing with w- with the mainstream in these areas. Yeah, and, and the problem
1: um, is, you know, people don't think that business is part of the process. They think that uh, you know the church should do it. They feel entitled. They think all they have to do is bring an artist in, and people are automatically just going to show up, even though they didn't push it. And um, they think, or you know, they're just in the mindset like, hey, you know, I've heard artists say this all the time, and I don't, I don't, I hate to knock it. But they're like, you know, God's just gonna bless this, right? Right. Because I have a good heart and I have good intentions. God's just gonna bless this. Well, I mean, you know, when when the ark fell off the the chariot when they were when they off the poles when they were carried and the the priest grabbed it and they weren't supposed to touch it and they died. They had good intentions too. You know, what I mean, I know that's an extreme analogy, but it, good intentions and in a good heart aren't always gonna you know float the boat. Aren't always gonna make everything happen. You have to be. You have to know the rules of the game. You have to be intelligent, you have to be wise. The Bible says the people of the world are, are more shrewd, they're more wise and they're they're that's they're better hustlers than we are basically at the end of the day because we're just a lot of us can be lazy and just feel like, you know, God's just going to multiply everything without us without us doing our part, without us sowing good seed, without us right. watering the seed and expecting a harvest. You don't just expect the harvest without sowing good seed. You can't do that without, you know what I mean? Those two things go hand in hand.
0: Yeah, so, <laughs> man, so much good stuff. It's like, well, what questions do I, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to narrow these questions. Uh, okay, let's talk, you know, you talked about church, Bible stuff. How much, you know, quote-unquote faith goes into these planning sessions and conferences and stuff like that? Like, is it all numbers, statistics, marketing, strategy, or is there a level of, okay, God, you, you've got to fill this gap for me?
1: Yeah, so the best way to explain it is it's fully numbers and analytics. It's fully the first part, right? Uh And just like Jesus is is fully God and fully man, the process is fully numbers and fully faith.
0: Ah, man, that's good. That was, I just,
1: that just, that's what it is. Oh, that's a sermon. That it is. I could preach a whole sermon on that. Give me 60 minutes. Um, Uh. Yeah, so so you're totally, you work behind the scenes and and trust the numbers and the marketing and you push the marketing like crazy and you push the number, you crunch the numbers like crazy and you set everything in place like crazy. And then for as much energy as you put into that, you're praying and trusting God at the same time, Mm. not one without the other. Right. So you, you put everything in line, you put, you set up everything as best as you can and then you step aside and let God do what he does.
0: Man, the whole interview is worth that one statement, man, that the last 60 seconds, man. (laughs) That's
1: it. So there's a big, There's a big aspect of of faith and trusting God because throughout the process, you know, hopefully, um, and this isn't always true, but you're inspired by God to do this in the first place. Right. Right. right? So God has has given you an idea or God has given you a, a call or a mandate and said, I want you to do this. He then equips you with the ability to do this and puts people around you to support you to do this thing that you may not even believe that you can do. And then you go out and do it and throughout the process of going out and doing it and, and using your gifts, you're trusting God throughout the entire process.
0: Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And uh, so, I'm trying to think of where else I really want to hit on um, kind of the, the top notch important stuff. So as far as, um as far as, the the conferences and stuff. When do you when do you start planning for your next conference? The year before, the year before. So like as soon as it's over. Yeah. Okay. So so,
1: is, so 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 the conference is over. So the conference is May uh, Memorial Day weekend every year. When I'm so we'll say starting starting from this point. This is August right of next year. I already have in mind theme and scripture and date location, um, all that stuff already in my mind completed, right? And and somewhat in action. As far as when I'm thinking about changes, I'm thinking when I'm done, when I'm done planning for the year that I'm in, so say this is April and I'm done planning, you know, it's happening in May where we're going to do, I'm already thinking about next year. Right. At that point, I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about it. And then, as it's happening, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do differently next year based on what's occurring at the moment. And then, once I'm done, I'm projecting out in in vision casting with the team about what what occurred and what we want to improve upon. And so, this is August now. By October, I'll be done planning for for May for next year. And by December, I want to have locked in everybody
0: that I want to. Uh, how, how how big is your team, and what do they? What, what's kind of different roles and stuff that they play?
1: Uh, the team's not team's really not big um, I've used the youth leaders from my church for a long time it's three or four people I have one other person that I kind of go through the real planning nitty-gritty process with I have somebody who does the marketing and stuff for me and then I have two at least two people who just want to work and and do you know make sure stuff happens and yeah. then you know two or three other people that I just bounce ideas off of
0: gotcha gotcha so if if something ha- you know God forbid something happened to you tomorrow could could elevation? Conference just carry on. Could somebody else pick up the mantle and run?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think we have a couple people that would that would make it happen. I don't know. I don't know. um, Like throughout the process of building it. um, One thing that we always intentionally do is make sure that if I'm not there and I miss the conference and it's Mm -hmm. entirely like I'm not even in the country that weekend that the conference be able to roll smoothly and my entire team would know every aspect of what has to be done. It's very important for me to have two or three people who can run the conference in my stead when I'm not there, um, that know everything, that everything is outlined so that the whole team can do it without me. Um, would it look the same? Obviously, it wouldn't look the same if, if they planned it, you know, without me, because, you know, the vision, I have my own vision. Um, it's a collaborative vision, but everybody has their own ideas. So, you know, it would, it would most likely look different. But um, I think that people have seen every aspect of what goes into it and could duplicate it for sure.
0: That's pretty cool. I think that's a really good uh, leadership trait is, you know, one of the things I heard uh, Miles Monroe say is you're always training people to replace you. Yeah. And so and that's that that's a good sign of a good leader is yeah. to where when you step away, things should be able to continue running without anybody knowing you've gone.
1: Yeah. Most of the um, time I leave during the
0: conference mm, just to see. Yeah.
1: Happens, or I go to sleep because I'm tired and I need to pass out. <laughs>
0: And, um, you know, if it
1: falls apart while I'm sleeping, I just did a terrible job.
0: Right, right. There you go. There you go. So as, as far as like, you know, the vision of the conference, so was every conference different as far as Elevation Conference goes? Uh,
1: for, I wouldn't say they're, they're different in, as far as who takes part, what the theme is. Um, next year it'll be in a different location. But the idea and the spirit behind it is always kind of the same. For the artist, I want to make it. I try to make it really like a vacation for the artists. I want it to be something that's really refreshing for them, something that they really enjoy coming to. Nobody walks away because most people don't really think Boston's cool anyway. Like most people think it's weird and racist. So when they come, I try to make sure that they leave thinking like, wow, Boston's actually pretty cool. I could live here. (laughs) As they come in the summer, they don't realize winter is coming and it's horrible. But so during the summer, I make sure they enjoy themselves. And then for the people that come, I just always want to make sure they have a great experience that um, somebody's life has changed and hearing testimonies afterwards every year is the, definitely by far the best part. Hearing and seeing uh, lives change and stuff like that. And so, there's some aspects that we always kind of have. We always have a general session. We always have a concert. We always have a block party. We give away free food and, and, and haircuts and, and makeup and clothes and makeovers to the community. Everybody around me, my surrounding inner city area, uh, we always do that. And then we have some sort of tutorials.
0: Right. That's cool. That- that's cool. I was looking at your, um, I was looking at the, the flyer for the one last year, and you know, kind of studying it a little bit, and it's interesting because I don't really see like your name doesn't stick out anywhere, and um, nah. which is which is interesting, and, and, and I'm not saying it should or shouldn't, but yeah. what kind of made you decide to just like not have, you know, Mike Mack? on this flyer anywhere presented by or whatever. Cause it says like the one from last year says the HTC youth and young adult department presents. Yeah. Um, yes. what's your, it's what's a, your kind of philosophy of that? It's not about me. Simple.
1: That's it. It's not Got about, it. me. I don't, I don't care to get a 10. A lot of people, I, you know, I, sometimes it's something I feel kind of guilty about is I feel, I feel weird when I see people
0: uh-huh.
1: that do that and they'll say, you know, it's their, their conference and there's a big picture of them on there or, or their name presents and this doesn't feel right to me. So it's not about me. So there's no reason to see my name on it. Um, I don't need a hundred people coming up to me during the conference and asking me stuff and none of that stuff. I don't want any attention. I don't need any of that.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool, man. I was just curious. So as far as like, you know, other type of support that you might get for the conference, um, do you, like, have certain certain people, churches, companies, anything that might uh, kind of help finance it or anything as a, a promotional thing or anything like that to help kind of carry yeah. those costs?
1: I got a couple of sponsors um, locally. Uh, I also, Rapzilla helps me out every year, sponsors it, attends, uh, contributes. RMG uh, contributes every year, helps out and um you know a couple of local local groups and stuff like that will do some assisting what people don't know is that the budget for the conference we were doing it out of my my church's youth department budget which is usually starts off with like a thousand dollars every year and then we actually build and finance the entire conference through that one thousand dollars and just making it grow and doing sales and, and fundraising and stuff like that so we're not we're not actually funded by my church we're not actually funded by any outside organization and we've actually just raised and, and produced the budget ourselves every year just off of labor in our backs, which is really gotcha. really crazy and been really hard, kind of stressful, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds like it, man. So I'll, I kind of want to hit on a, on a couple more things before we, uh, before we end the interview. Uh, we could probably go on for hours, honestly, man. Uh, so as far as somebody who might think, OK, I want to do concert promotion, do you think that in any big city at this point that's at, that that's a viable full-time job.
1: Yeah. So, so I think it's possible. And, but for me, you know, I could do it because like I said, I'm, I'm managing multiple artists, you know, some relatively big artists and middle, some middle artists. Um, I do their booking, I do tour routing, I do mm. tour management. Um, I, I do probably four to five cons. Five, well, five at least five hard ticket concerts that I do on my own at different venues throughout the year. I promote Christian hip hop concerts for clubs and venues in my area. Um, I also coach high school football and basketball, and you know I'm doing some investment stuff like that too. And so I have multiple streams of income that are all kind of come together in a place where I could survive um, doing this stuff full time. But like I said, it's you know it's it's almost not logical, at least for me, because you know there's there's just I have a day job that's really just beneficial for me and my talent, and, and my schedule right now. So, I think for each person, if you're if you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, and you can and you can do it. You probably wouldn't just do shows, you know. what I mean, you probably wouldn't just do any one thing. There'd probably be multiple things that you would do to get together, that would kind of fund you to be able to do it full time. Even for an artist, if you're an artist out there and making music is it for you, uh, it's probably going to be very challenging for you to 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 make money enough to to survive. You got to be doing shows. You got to be doing merch. You got to be doing licensing. You got to be doing concerts. You got to be doing helping other people with their concerts. You got to be doing your own production. You got to be mixing and mastering. Doing music for other people. There's got to be there's got to be a lot of different ways. Unless you're fine with making twenty five thousand dollars a year. I mean, if that's if your your goal is like something that low, um, then yeah, I think you could do it. Really, I could do that tomorrow if I wanted to. But my goal is a little bit higher. You know, hundred thousand. I need to be making a hundred thousand annually. So I need a I need money coming from a lot of different places. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh I think that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of people might get kind of uh, a little jaded or, or or you know, kinda scared of is like, okay, you know, doing all this all this work, all these other things, uh, in order to just be able to be an entrepreneur or do music. And, you know, and I tell people like it's it's not for everybody. It really isn't. And no. Yeah. And that's
1: the, that's the unfortunate part. People people end up in a lot of different spaces where they don't even belong. There's a lot of guys rapping that shouldn't be rapping. There's a lot of guys producing that shouldn't be producing. There's a lot of guys working at McDonald's that should be should be working at NASA. You know what I mean? So sometimes you just get mixed up in your, your path and, and you end up doing the wrong thing and you kind of miss out on on the gifts and talents that God gave you. We got to pay more attention to our talents. We got to pay more attention to our gifts and because God has given us a blueprint by giving us gifts and talents and showing us where he would want us to excel because he's given us talents in this area, and he said, "Look, you're really good at this. You can do this." You know, what I mean, Moses got examples of of that, that he could be a leader and a really trail trail a trailblazer, because of just how he lived his life. He was, you know, he was taking out Egyptians. He was bodying dudes like right, he was a right. deliverer. You know, what I mean, from early on, you know, uh, you know, uh, even you know David, you know, Goliath wasn't the first person he slew. He he was already a beast. He was already unafraid. You know what I mean? And just because when God gave Moses the call, he was like, well, I can't speak as well as, you know, as well as other people. So I don't know if I can do this. He had all the other gifts and those gifts showed him like, look, you're, you're, you're equipped to do something great. So now I'm going to add in these other things to you. So we got to look at the things that God has equipped us to do, the things that come easily to us, the things that, the things that we're talented in. And then there's always going to be a couple of other little things you got to work towards to give yourself the full picture. So God gave me the ability to sell, to market, to be a people person, to interact. And so then it was all about, okay, now I need to buckle down on my business practices to make sure that I'm actually able to be a good businessman, besides just be able to talk like one and actually learn the numbers and be able to do all that stuff. Because I got the gift of gab, but it's like, all right, at some point, we got to actually be able to buckle down with the nuts and bolts. And so all the other things kind of point you in that direction, and it's up to you to, to further develop those talents. Just like we said with the guy with the talents, he gave him a talent, he wanted him to go out and multiply it, but he did give him a yeah, talent yeah. to start. Yeah, with.
0: he did. And I think, you know, that's one thing I always encourage everybody is, is I'm a very purpose driven type of person. So whether it's a sermon, yeah. whether it's a podcast episode, I'm like, find your purpose, like yeah. hone in on it, master it, do what God has put in your lap to do, start small, grow it, work it, be faithful into small things. And, uh, and, and you won't, you won't regret it. And so, uh,
1: yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to find purpose for a lot of people. is really challenging to find direction, to find purpose, and to, to really just lean on God for it. Really, everybody wants to try to make it happen on their own. Or like I said, there's way too many rappers yeah. out there. There's just too many. Like somebody needs to be. There needs to be more than. There's only like five Christian hip hop promoters in the country. Like, how is that even possible? Because there's somebody out there who's working super hard to sell his own CDs that should be working super hard to sell somebody mm-hmm. else's CDs, spending less time in the studio putting out trash music and helping to flip, you know, this other person's good music who doesn't know how to sell yeah, their
0: music. Yeah. That's good, man. That's true. That's true. Well, Mike, I appreciate your time, man. Um, I'm looking forward, you know, hearing you getting to know you, uh, this would just be proof of what you said earlier. Uh, definitely going to try to make it out to Elevation Conference next year, uh, in 2020. And so, uh, is any last words you want to give to the people, any words of advice, encouragement, uh, just something that, that you can, uh, kind of finale this thing?
1: Yeah, man. Like I said, uh, finding purpose in, in, in your, your meaning is, is usually really challenging. We all have one purpose to, to glorify God. We all know that that's our main purpose and we're all trying to figure out the best way to do it. Look at the talents that God gave you. Look at the stuff that comes easily to you, the stuff that's that, you know, it's not challenging for you to execute it and develop that and work on it and grow on it and, and figure out how you can use it to make the world a better place and to
0: make God smile. Well, that's it. Mike, Matt, where can everybody uh, follow you, find you at, get in touch with you if they want to?
1: Yeah, I guess follow me on Instagram, underscore Mike, underscore Mac M-A-C-K,
0: is Mac. Gotcha, man. Well, Mike, appreciate your time. Uh, Looking forward to seeing my first Elevation Conference next year. I promise you I'm going to try my best to be there. And anybody else in that area, make sure you follow uh, Mike so you can try to make it out too and appreciate it man and i'm sure a lot of people are going to get a lot a of lot, a lot of really good stuff from this interview
1: yeah i hope so man. man praise you, brother. all right peace
0: All righty that was the interview with mike Mack, uh the head of the elevation conference man if if you if you somehow missed it the um the section where he was talking about uh, like jesus is fully god and fully man his his strategy is fully analytics fully faith man that to me that rocked me to the core it was like just to me that was probably my favorite line in this whole entire interview but i'd love to hear um your favorite part of the interview let me know on twitter at jason bordo one or on instagram at jason bordo one and i just want to hear from you uh, kind of get some feedback on what you thought and what are some other type of interviews and uh, and also make sure you hit up uh mike Mac at mike mack cbc on twitter and let him know as well. I think if these people know that you're getting something from this interview, then they will be, you know, hopefully wanting to do more and share more knowledge and wisdom, which then turn around and benefits you as the listener and uh, and anybody that you want to share it with. So Mike, thank you so much for doing the interview again. If you're listening to this brother, uh, hopefully I can get you back on soon because uh, just such a wise gentleman and a genuine guy. Um, And again, thank you so much to my supporters, Aaron Simpkins, True Strength Apparel, uh, JT or LT Smith and Jay Sannon. Uh, all of you guys rock. And I'm very grateful. Uh, for anybody who's listening to this episode, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, every time it drops, people have been encouraging me to keep doing these. And, uh, so I'm grateful for, for your kind words and, uh, kind of the motivation that you give me to keep producing these great interviews and just trying to find some of the best, uh, wisest of the people out there to continue to do this with. And if you have any ideas for some great interviews, let me know. Let me know um, or let the person know that you think would be a great fit so they can reach out to me. Uh, you know, you can email me or, or whatever you, you need to do. And, uh, and so without, uh, without keeping you on too much longer, I do want to thank the TrackStars Podcasting Network and all the shows over there, my co-podcast uh, label people, so track stars Eminem live radio 520 collective Solomon's porch podcast and um go check out those shows those are all fantastic shows and they're different in their own respective ways and uh and yeah so until next time always remember that the more you learn the more you know the more you know the more you grow thanks and god bless